Thanks for joining us on episode 1181 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. I'm Rob Cook. I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to focus on what is really important while achieving success is key. And one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this, the Inspired Stewardship Podcast with my friend, Scott Mater. I, I would argue that all business is service. You're providing value in some way to someone in exchange for, in our economy, money. You're serving them in some way. You're providing them with a service, literally, or you're providing them with, you're serving them by giving them a product that they need or want. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In today's interview with Rob Cook, I ask Rob about why dads need to invest in their family. I also ask Rob about the responsibility of being a positive influence in our roles in life. And Rob also shares with you why he thinks it is so important to focus on millennials and young parents. One reason I like to bring you great interviews like the one you're going to hear today is because of the power in learning from others. Another great way to learn from others is through reading books. But if you're like most people today, you find it hard to find the time to sit down and read. And that's why today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to sign up and you can get a 30-day free trial. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. And instead of reading, you can listen your way to learn from some of the greatest minds out there. That's inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to get your free trial and listen to great books the same way you're listening to this podcast. Rob is a CPA and CFP fiduciary financial advisor who looks and plans beyond stocks and bonds and traditional financial planning with his clients. Rob believes that when thinking and talking about wealth, the conversation shouldn't be focused on money, but instead on the purpose for our money. In other words, the legacies we are creating today for our families. Rob is also the host of Contenders Wanted podcast, where we believe you can have incredible success without sacrificing what's most important. Through the podcast, he leverages his personal experience and interactions with the ultra-successful to help success-oriented parents with young families get more time, balance, and financial freedom in their lives so they can move from being a contender to a champion. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate you having me on the show. So, Rob, last week we talked a little bit about your family, your wife, your early career, and you mentioned how putting family first, putting those boundaries up was so important to you. How do you see your responsibility? Now you have young kids at home, you've got a wife, you've got a family. How do you see your responsibility for investing in your family? And how do you balance that with the impact that it has on your business, your career, the other side of your life? Yeah, that's a difficult thing to do. I'll admit. 
I view my the importance of investing in my family as paramount. For me in my life, my priorities are number one, my faith, number two, my family, number three, my health, and then basically everything else after that. <laughs> and that everything else includes my career and or hobbies or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so for me, if that is my priority, I think we, we touched on this last week, there's a difference between something being important versus something being a priority. And if that's my priority, I then need to structure my life that way. So in my career, I do everything necessary to never work a Sunday. So that I put those first things first. I might check an email to make sure that if there's any, as the saying goes, oxes in the mire, something really bad going on. Well, then, okay, we'll handle that, but then quickly get back to what's most important. But those are f- very few and far. In fact, I some I do things like I turn off the notifications <laughs> on my mm-hmm. phone so people can't interrupt me on those days. They can't distract from what's actually most important. If they need to get a hold of me, they can call me. <laughs> I'm not going to just be available to respond to emails. And I've got I've gotten some healthy pushback from a lot of people because of that. But I think establishing those clear boundaries makes it possible for me to then be able to invest in my family. And investing in my family to me means being a good example first and foremost to my kids. It's one thing to say that they should do something, but it's very different to practice what you preach. And I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want them to look at me and go, that says that we're most important, but he does this stuff that doesn't make any sense. I would never want to be that dad. So for me, it's a paramount importance to be a good example of that, to not be the hypocrite. And then to lead out on those things that I think are most important or that I say are most important for our family. So leading out in prayer or scripture study or leading out in learning. If I tell my kids it's important to learn, then I better set a good example of one who learns and is always learning new things and sharing things that I learn. If I tell my kids that it's important to work hard, they should see me working. If I tell my kids that it's important for us to be honest and truthful, even when it's not easy, then I better be honest and truthful when it's not easy. Period. Because there's a saying in our faith, you know, that no success can compensate for failure in the home. Mm-hmm. So I better make sure that I do those things that are right at home. Because if I become some CEO or I own a multi-million dollar company and or I'm millions of dollars, it will all mean nothing if I just destroy everything here. So for me, I see my responsibility to invest in my family as, in, as paramount, second only to my relationship with my, with God and my own personal faith. And so then that trickles down and impacts everything that I do in my career. So for example, with my podcast, I do everything at night after my kids are all asleep or really early in the morning. Like right now we are recording this early in the morning so that later in the day I can spend my time with my family. Mm-hmm. I purposely set up boundaries and I purposely block my time such so that my family knows that they're most important to me. So talking about that, your podcast, and then what you do in your career. So if we move away from the family for a second, Mm -hmm. I think you also have influence and impact on people with their financial future through your podcast. How do you see your responsibility to serve others in those roles? How do you see that influence? Yeah. So it's funny, as I was reading these questions, some of these questions that you sent me before the interview, and I got to this one. I realized that for me, influencing and serving others is 
an integral part of what I do outside of this. In our last episode, we talked about how, for me, one of the most important things in my career was to find something where I could serve someone in a meaningful way every single day. And so for me, you know, I, I would argue that all business is service. You're providing value in some way to someone in exchange for, in our economy, money. You're serving them in some way. You're providing them with a service, literally, or you're providing them with, you're serving them by giving them a product that they need or want. And, and I found that the more that I can think less of myself and more of these other people and more of the people that I'm trying to serve, the better that I do. It harkens back to Matthew 1039, who so loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And I found that's the same in business as it is in my faith. If I lose myself serving and helping these other people, I tend to just do better. I tend to be able to help them more and I tend to do just better work that I feel good about. As a financial advisor, I, I'm a fiduciary, which means that I'm always going to put my client's needs above my own. And as a podcaster, if I don't serve and invest in my audience and what their needs are and specifically try and help them solve their unique challenges, my podcast would cease to exist, really. I'd have no listeners. <laughs> so I feel like everything that I do in a professional setting revolves around this idea of, of serving and providing value. So how do you think your faith, you've mentioned that several times, has influenced the way you view your choices around career, family, the podcast even, and other things? Yeah, I'm, well, if, if for listeners who listened to the last episode, you heard me reference it multiple times because <laughs> it, in my opinion, has impacted every aspect of all of those, career, family, and more. Like I said last week, my faith is interwoven into the very fabric of who I am. And if you don't understand clearly, to some extent, my faith or the, at least the extent my faith impacts me, you, don't, you, you couldn't know me. I found my faith when I was very young. I was fortunate in that way. And so it's really had an impact on everything in my life. Last time we talked about my four criteria for finding my career. Part th Those criteria were influenced by my faith. We, we talked about how I turned down certain job offers because uh, I prayed and I felt like it wasn't right. And I, we talked about how my faith in my family has influenced even the way that I operate on a daily basis. But it, it really, it really impacts everything for me. Yeah. And especially with the, because you mentioned earlier, you're a fiduciary. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's affected your view of what that means? So beyond just the legal definition of what it means to yeah. be a fiduciary, which, because I, and the reason why I ask that is because I know there's financial advisors that get into trouble. There's financial advisors that are le living the letter of being a fiduciary, but aren't necessarily always delivering that. I think sometimes people hear, oh, they're a fiduciary. They've got my best interest at heart. And they turn off their filters because they assume that's always true. But I've also seen cases where that doesn't play out in a way that's always true. Yeah. No, it, 
It definitely has. Because you're right, there are definitely instances where individuals are supposed to be fiduciaries, or they're supposed to be looking out for their client's best interests, but they do not. I think that's part of what drew me to the profession, was that I felt like there was such a need for better advice, better service in that mm-hmm. regard. A couple of stories actually to paint how uh, this idea of being a fiduciary is so important to me and our firm. Number one, if you want to know if your advisor is actually a fiduciary, see if he gives you advice that will actually hurt them in their own. <laughs> For example, I just had a conversation recently where I sat down with some clients, some pros- some potential clients over a lunch. We talked about various items. At the end of the lunch, I told them that they should go talk to someone else, that someone else was going to be a better fit for them, that someone else was going to be able to give them exactly what they needed. And that only later, maybe if you wanted, we should come back and have a conversation after they had talked to that other person. I literally turned away business. They wanted to hire me. And I said, as much as I really appreciate that, I don't know if it would be a great fit at the moment. Here's the other things that you need to do. You need to go do these other things. Go talk to this person. And then if you still feel like you need to chat, we, you want to work together, great. Let's work together. But if not, that's okay. You should go talk to this person. This is what you really need. And part of the reason why I joined the firm that I joined is because that's just part of our culture. For example, one of our, there's a story at our firm that one of our founders, we had given us certain instructions. We thought we had executed on those instructions, but we hadn't. And then all of a sudden we realized a short time later that we hadn't, and it had a financial impact on the client, that they had missed out on a certain opportunity. And we weren't talking here just a couple hundred bucks. We're talking about $100,000 opportunity. And our founder wrote a check out of his own pocket to cover that Mm. because that was the right thing to do. We should have done it. The client should have had that benefit. We didn't do it. Therefore, we're going to make it. And it's stuff like that that I think really makes a real fiduciary. And so when I think about – for me, being a fiduciary is just – it was like, yeah, that's just the way that I operate because my faith teaches me that I'm supposed to be that way. My dad actually is a – he's a territory manager for Caterpillar Tractor. And my dad always operated like a fiduciary even in that sales role. And as a kid, I, I remember watching him do basically what I just told you that I had done with a client multiple times. And I distinctly remember I was with my dad in his truck. We would have visited one of his clients one time. And it, I think it was, I don't remember, I wasn't at school for some reason, but I, I was with him that day and we were driving up the mountain, going visiting some clients. And I remember my dad was off to the side talking with a couple of other people there at this particular job site. And the owner and I were standing there and the owner made some sort of comment about how he was so grateful for my dad. And I turned and I looked at him because you're a teenager and you're like, grateful for my dad. Why are you grateful for my dad? And uh, he looks at me and goes, your dad always tells us the right thing. He always is taking care of us. And as a kid, that made a a big impression on me. And I thought, you know what? That's the right way to do business. That's the right way to do things. (laughs) They love my dad because even if he sends him away, he does what's right. So for me, I just followed that model then when I got in the business. Then, yeah, then I eventually became a C- CFP because well, technically then I had a fiduciary standard. And yeah, my firm had one, but there was no other way I was going to operate because I had seen the example of the right way to do things. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about being a fiduciary and how has faith maybe impacted those things or how do we find maybe what's a real fiduciary? I think you got to keep those types of things in mind. What do their actions say? Are they actually going to give you tell, give you advice that'll not be for their own benefit 
that actually hurt them financially out of their own pocketbook, then you're working with the right kind of person. So I know in the show and in the podcast, Contenders Wanted, you mentioned to me that you like to reach millennials, you like to reach young parents, you're a young parent yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why do you focus on that audience? (laughs) This is a great question. I think there's really two answers to it. The first one is because they are my people, period. (laughs) You is them. (laughs) I I is them for sure. And I feel like because I am one of them, I feel like I can understand the life of my own listener Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of that. Contenders Wanted is this show that's about striving for greatness, right? And having to deal with all the crap that goes with life but trying to focus on doing it the right way and contender brings up this image of, of a fighter, right? Fighting for what's most important, fighting for what's right in life, f- fighting off all the other distractions and those things that are coming in life. And I feel all of those things myself on a daily basis. Like you said, I'm a young dad. I have my own family. I'm trying to figure all this stuff out. I battle my own feelings of worthlessness, of my own feelings of frustration, of inadequacy, of all those normal things. And I think that enables me to then step into the shoes of my listener and go, okay, what do they need? What do they want? What do they hope to hear? It just in a way makes my job a little easier. But then the second reason is because as millennials, we get a really bad rap. <laughs> a really bad rap. Every generation gets a bad rap at some point, but I feel like we just yeah. kind of get piled on all the time. And I freaking hate it. <laughs> I think we as a millennial generation have so much potential. Yeah, every generation's got their bad apples, of course. And some may even argue that there's more bad apples in my generation than another. You know what? I don't care. I refuse to admit that my generation is a a bunch of deadbeats on mom and dad's couch. There are a huge chunk of us that are more than worth our salt, that are contenders, that are fighting to do things right. And we inherited a world that is just different in many ways than a lot of previous generations. We're the first generation to grow up in an internet age. We're the first generation to grow up with a host of things that are very different than a lot of groups of people. And that has its own unique opportunities and its own unique challenges. And I feel like we just get bagged on so much. So if I can show the world that we have such great potential and that we are doing great things and help. And I help some of us in the process, step up to the plate and do great things and make become the greatest generation 2.0. Why not? Let's try. I might not, I might not succeed in that, but I think that's part of the reason why I do that is because I feel like we have such great potential. So let's try and become great. Let's try and do things right. You'll be happy to know that I once did some research and found quotes about how the generation behind whatever generation was saying it was the worst generation ever. And I found them going all the way back to Aristotle. Oh, that's funny. Literally every generation has said of the generation coming behind them, the world's going to heck in a handbasket because of this generation that's coming <laughs> up. It's it's adorable thing. <laughs> you know? Oh, I would totally agree with that. For sure. Yeah. And I found him going all the way back to, there was a quote from Aristotle where he basically said, 
the universe is ending. Gre- Greece is going to fall because of this generation that's coming up behind us. And is uh, it did yeah. fall, but not exactly the way you thought. So anyway, or for the reason that you thought. So I think there's not a quite like bit that. Of that. I think there's a little bit of that. It's normal to look at the generation because they're different, and different must mean bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I just like to point out to people that everyone thinks of the millennials as quote lazy and these sorts of things. And it's, you do realize that everyone was calling them Gen Y and then they literally banded together and said, Nope, we're going to be called the millennials. We're changing our name. You don't do that if you're lazy. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, I think it's funny when people say millennials don't do much and millennials don't change the world or millennials are just sitting on their mom and dad's couch. And I go, Look at some of the most influential companies in the world. <laughs> founded by. <laughs> They're founded by millennials. What the heck are you talking about? Yeah. Like Facebook. Mark, lay aside your feelings about Facebook. Right. Personally, I think it's a cesspool. But he's just a great example of a millennial who's changed the world. Right? Absolutely. You can and, argue whether it was for the good or for the bad, but he's changed it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly my point. Yeah. You can follow Rob on LinkedIn as Rob Cook or find him over on Facebook as Rob Cook. The best place, though, to find out more about Rob or his podcast is over at his website, contenderswanted.com. Of course, I'll have links to all of this in the show notes as well. Rob, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener? Yeah. For those of you who would be interested, I actually have a, I call it the Financial Freedom Pathfinder quiz because I'm trying to help more people on that financial side through Contenders Wanted. If you've ever wanted to know what path should I take to reach financial freedom, what's the you know, the best path suited for me and my personal desires and predispositions and all that sort of stuff, I've taken 10 plus years of personal finance and wealth, learning about wealth and wealth creation and talking with people on my show and different things and created a quiz that helps people figure out which of one of the 25, I think are the 25 unique paths towards financial freedom is best suited personally to them. So if anyone's interested in that, you can check that out by going to contenderswanted.com slash freedom and fill out the quiz and get that for free. And there's also a couple of bonuses that come along with it just for completing the quiz. Awesome. That is a, that sounds like a great gift. I'll link that up in the show notes as well. So folks can find it easier if they're driving or otherwise can't find it. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate everything that you've shared. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor Go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word, iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures. Develop your influence and impact the world.